Tea Breakers. I am Mike Senior and I'm here with John Witten, live and unleashed for the 21st episode of Project Studio Tea Break. Happy 21st, John. Good morning there, Mike. I look forward to our first American beer, I guess. What can you do at 21? Can you rent a car? No, I don't think they, they rent 21-year-olds' cars any longer. Thank God. At uh, 21, we've been seven three times now. <laughs> That's something to be pleased about. Yeah. And I, I have to apologise now to our listeners for the deep mahogany sonority of my voice. I am <laughs> coming out of a, a little bit of poorly town. So if you think, God, who is this cool, handsome stranger? Silky tongued. Yes, exactly. I will be back to my screeching, yelping self next month. But more After you've just done a few movie trailers. Yeah, the abs are in a world. <laughs> wow. Yes, oh God, yeah. Oh, it reminds me, I saw a fake trailer that was brilliantly done for the new James Bond film that hasn't, the proper trailer hasn't been released yet. Oh yeah. But someone did a trailer where they chopped sections out of a whole bunch of recent action trailers uh-huh. and stitched them together with a few bits of footage from previous Bond films. Mm. And I watched it and didn't realise. <laughs> it was so well done. <laughs> I thought, oh, that looks quite good, because I'd not seen any of the films that they took the choppy choppets out of. That's brilliant. But then I began to smell a rat, because that sucked me into a YouTube loophole, where I saw the little video that said, 10 action trailers for 2020. Ah. And so I, I went in, and I thought... I'm sure I've seen that bit in that Bond trailer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it slowly began to dawn. <laughs> and I thought, now nah, that is clever. But it did have the whole wow in there. Oh, you got to have the wow. It's not action if you don't have the wow. So have you earned your tea break this month? I'm trying to think back past the last three days where I've been in bed and unhappy. Mm. In fact, before we started recording, I tried to express this fact to Mike in a concise and straightforward way, that I have been very ill and bedbound. Hmm. And what came to mind in that instant was, oh, Mike, <laughs> I've been terrible in bed for the last three days. Because I thought all the information's there, you know? Like you, and it was in exactly the right order. To any less puerile friend of mine, they would have said, oh, dear, hope you're on the lemsip uh, and on the mend. Mike, of course, didn't. (laughs) Mike made it bad. Laughter is the best healer. Mine, not yours. (laughs) This is an important distinction, often not put inside that. But outside of this, I think I have. I've been interviewing potential choir masters. Oh, exciting. What's this for? Yeah, I run Witten Choirs. We do workplace choirs and choir retreats and stuff in um, the UK and Germany. Cool. And in need of a couple more leaders and it's been so much fun because though they don't get the reputation for it in popular culture Hmm. choir masters are the new cowboys (laughs) (laughs) now if i'm gonna fill in the blank choir masters are the new cowboys would not have been top of my list no we are absolutely the lawless gunslingers of the wild west it's because there is no school of choir conducting Mm. especially amateur choir creation it's Look, it's anything that works. <laughs> like, if if you do A, mm. and then a group of 60 non-professional singers feel moved to just joyfully express themselves through sound, then A is the right thing to do. Yeah. And different people found very, very different A's. <laughs> I sense there's almost a listicle waiting there. I almost want to hold it back so I can sell it to BuzzFeed for 20 grand. Um, it's going to have to be a forthcoming jam. It absolutely should. Suffice it to say that, you know, I've witnessed everything from, like, I guess what I'd call the Russell Crowe approach, 
which is sword and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> a toga, a really weird. I mean, it worked. No, the the um the strong and silent, showing through your stillness and your resolve that you can be trusted. Okay, bringing people along in a oh captain, my captain sort of way. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the way to like the bouncing off the walls, running in circles, falling over to keep everyone's attention. Sort of. I, yeah, I, I don't know what you call that. The um. The bumblebee trapped in a jar approach, <laughs> which again yeah. worked. I've been in so many choirs, I know all these people. <laughs> of course, you've met these conductors essentially. But I have been astounded over the last couple of weeks at the sheer range wow. of approaches uh, to, to, to running amateur choirs, which actually now that I say it, it's not that different from running professional choirs mm. because the sad truth is that choral singers will descend into chaos, if not well-contained. <laughs> like, just leaving them there to their own devices is like stacking up some water and leaving it on the side. You come back to drink it later. No, 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 no. It'll just spill everywhere. It's water. <laughs> Gotta put it in a glass or a cup. Yes. Or um, another metaphorical vessel. Your choir chalice. The choir chalice. Absolutely. Mm. Which is to say, hell yes, I've earned my tea break and it's good to be here. How about you, Mike? Have you earned this here tea break? Oh, that tea break has been earned until it can be earned no more. Goodness me. The Cambridge MT website is now live. Yay! <laughs> and, more to the point, all 16 episodes of my Mixing Secrets workflow video series are now live on the site. Brilliant stuff. Four hours of fully scripted video. It's been about 18 months in the pipeline. Ah. It's now all there, step by step through the Mixing Secrets approach, TM. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to see whether I've snuck in an archive picture of you about 20 years ago. Oh, God. Okay, well, we met 11 years ago, so that raises a lot of questions. <laughs> I've been stalking you. Raises a lot of questions in a crime report, so... <laughs> now, you reminded me back in episode 19 of a fabulous website address, PowerGen Italia. It's a wonderful one. And I spent an entertaining hour... <laughs> following up this particular thread. <laughs> Unfortunately, this website is now defunct. No! There is no PowerGen Italia. Uh, similarly, Experts Exchange wow. is also defunct. <laughs> <laughs> and Dixon Web has also been <laughs> removed. Cowards. What utter cowards. Also, sadly... <laughs> Sadly defunct is Molesty. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, take another run at it. This is definitely <laughs> gonna be worth the wait. Is Mole Station Nursery? Oh no! <laughs> no! No! Molestationnursery.com! That's awful. Specializing in the production of frost hardy shrubs and trees. No, that one hurts even more because Molestation Nursery is a charming rural name. And if it weren't for a cruel trick of our spelling, it has now been moved to, a, I think, a, a Tumblr or a blogspot thing that has right? Mole Station and a Mole River Nursery, I think is how they've rebranded it. But the company is still called Mole Station Nursery if you go to their website. <laughs> Yes, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your bravery. You are what's right with the world. <laughs> but my favourite is the existing website. Oh, yeah? Who have resisted the urge to change the name of their website. Oh, dear. Okay. This is um, a maker of the finest quality custom pens, specialising in wood. Penisland.net. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wait, you're telling me that website is still up and running? 
It is actually up and running and it is just golden because once you realize the potential innuendo of the website name, some of the publicity material on their website is just brilliant. Oh, they've lent into it. I'm so happy. But I don't think they have. That's what's great about it. No. It is totally not tongue in cheek, I don't think. <laughs> but there are great lines in there like, we stock a large collection of virgin woods. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Finishing with hand rubbed lacquers. <laughs> Here at Penn Island. <laughs> Whether all you want is a simple skinny white pen or something wrapped in leather or little pink bows, we've done it all. Wow, these are brilliant. <laughs> Even pens dipped in chocolate. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, I've got one more for you. This is from the FAQs. Can I provide my own wood? The answer. In most cases, we can handle your wood. <laughs> We do require all shipments to be clean, free of parasites, and pass all standard customs inspections. And then they will happily receive your package. <laughs> Penn Island, you're my heroes. You will absolutely be getting a thank you email from me. With as many innuendos as I possibly can. Okay, cast your mind back. Mm -hmm. The 1st of July, 1979. And Sony launch a milestone product in the history of consumer audio. The first cassette Walkman. Aye. The portable music player of my youth. <laughs> and it, its cultural impact is with us still mm. in the portable music players people are still carrying around. This paradigm of music on the go was started basically by the Sony Walkman. But the news this month is, of course, as your mental maths will have informed you, it has recently been the 40th anniversary of the launch. And so, Sony have released a new music player to celebrate the anniversary of the very first Walkman. Ah. Snappily named the NWA105 Walkman. Okay. Now, I've sent you a pic of it. Okay, so what I'm looking at here is a Sony tape Walkman. It's a small blue box with a tape in it and, you know, Play, stop, volume up, volume down buttons along the top. Is this actually a cassette tape Walkman? Well, that's what it looks like, but it isn't. It's actually a version of their touchscreen NWA100 MP3 player. Oh. With a soft vinyl <laughs> case style on the original cassette Walkman that you fit to it. <laughs> and then the image of the cassette with its reels turning is on the screen of the player. Is written on the tape label. That's nice. It's pointless and it's, it's chintzy, but it's nice. My first thought, like yours, was... That's kind of cool. I quite like that. Mm. And then I began thinking, well, who is this meant to be appealing to and why? <laughs> because it can't really appeal to the real indie kids. So I've immediately outed myself as not an indie kid. Otherwise, I'd have one that had a proper cassette in it. No, that's so true. And it won't really appeal to the tech geeks either. Because honestly, who the hell has an MP3 <laughs> player anymore? Well, this is when you, when you said that they've released a new music player. I thought, where is that gap in the market that they're seeing? <laughs> well, it's the Goldilocks zone that they've aimed for. Right. It's clearly aimed at people who are trying to be as cool as the indie kids, but failing. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, just as they did probably when they were kids back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to seem as gadget savvy as the tech geeks, and they're failing at that too, because mm. it just demonstrates that they haven't worked out how to get Spotify on their phone. Yeah. And they have 400 quid burning a hole in their pocket. 400 quid? That's the only thing 
that eliminated me from that Venn diagram. <laughs> well, if you can't have good taste, poverty is a workable substitution. It's basically going to out anyone who gets it as being really lame on various different counts. Okay, but let, let's let's brainstorm. How would we have marked this anniversary? Because it is worth marking, as you say, like the fact that we all walk around with little boxes and headphones. Hmm. You know, is 40 years old now. It is, yeah. Now, I wonder if I were to have re-released a cassette tape Walkman and an online store with five cassette albums from each of the years. Yeah, I mean, you could have done it that they just released a new cassette Walkman. But perhaps you could Bluetooth from it to your wireless headphones. I'm super into that. It could have some interaction between your phone. You could even stream from your phone to it to go through the headphones. These are cool ideas. And they could have even had a service that was like, you upload your MP3s and they make you a cassette of them. They make you a mixtape, yes. A mixtape app that you can then get a real physical cassette printed of that you can play on your Walkman and send to people. That's absolutely the one. You need to send them a Spotify playlist. And it'll be on a C90 before you know it. (laughs) (laughs) That would make a lovely present. I think this, this is a brilliant idea. And it didn't take us that long. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's very expensive to do that kind of thing. Or maybe we're just exceptionally clever. (laughs) Is it that one? And I have a related little factoid from the British Phonographic Institute. Hmm. Cassette sales are now at their highest point since 2004. Really? They hit about 100,000 during 2019. Okay, Who's buying cassettes? It cannot be anyone besides hipsters. Do you want to know what the biggest cassette seller this year is? Carly Rae Jepsen's new album, Julian. (laughs) You would like it to be that. I would love it to be that. Such a great album. But it's even cooler. What is it? Billie Eilish. No! Really? She released her album on a kind of a neon cassette version. And sold bucket loads of it. Oh my god, of course she did. And also, like, Tesco's and Argos are now selling 20 quid Walkman clones. Like, tape Walkman? Yeah, cassette Walkman. So, I mean, my absolute question is, how long till Sony crumble to the pressure and actually bring out a version of their own product that people can buy? (laughs) I kind of want to get one. It's awful. I don't know why. Why Is it tape hiss? Do I miss tape hiss? I mean, 20 quid's like a pocket money purchase, isn't it? Yeah. So you talk me through, what's the sensual appeal of a cassette Walkman for you? Because I've got a couple of things. To be honest, for me, it's all nostalgia. Hmm. In practical terms of really using one, I can only think of things that drive me up the wall. (laughs) But I have a huge amount of nostalgia of recording things off the radio and listening to tapes when I was a kid and... Hmm. Honestly, the biggest quality thing that I think of with tape is when I first got my first CD player Mm. and played the first CD and the music started and I was shocked because I'd expected there to be hiss before the music started. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my biggest quality reminiscence. Amazing. What about for you? I I can see you, you have an emotional connection here that I don't have. I do. And it's to all the noises that happen before you press play. And one day, scientists are going to work out why people, especially, I guess, young people, love ka-chunk noises. Mm. And I don't care if that's a huge switch in a warehouse that turns all the lights on. I don't care if that's some big gun getting a huge magazine chucked inside it. But it's also there 
when you kind of open a tape jewel case and you, you slip it out yeah. and then you put it in and you close yeah. the water when it's in it's a it's a proper drumline sound I know what you mean even the play button itself mm-hmm. you know because it's mechanically engaging a motor it could chunks down yes it is appealing isn't it it's it's satisfying speaking of though have you um wandered innocently and accidentally into the mechanical keyboard fandom. Oh, no, but I feel the draw. (laughs) I can feel the thrall. This is a huge, passionate vocal community who share custom builds, who put different strength mechanical keys on the different (laughs) fingers just for that real flow who review the sounds of new kind of newly released mechanical keys. (laughs) It's incredible. I've managed not to get sucked in, but I think it's a matter of time and slightly more money, and I'll absolutely (laughs) be one of them. Now, the most common and indeed only critique we receive about this podcast (laughs) is that we seem too perfect, Mm. too slick, too smooth, too unable to fail. Now, while I can't deny the broad truth of this perception, Mm. even we have on occasion fallen short. And it serves to humanise us in in the ears of the listeners. In the humble ears of our humble and flawed listeners... (laughs) Um, we want to we want to make ourselves uh, seem a little less godly, and that task falls to the Archangel Michael this week. So, uh, Mike, over to you. What, what could you possibly have ever done wrong? Well, as I'm sure you will know, my knowledge of live sound could be written on the back of a postage stamp. <laughs> but I kicked off this very podcast by saying that we were live and unleashed because. In the past month, oh yeah, I have done my first live gig as a sound guy. Amazing! <laughs> my congratulations! That is brilliant! I was approached by a local jazz choir called the Don Camillo Choir, who I used to sing with a few years ago, and I've sung with for several years, and I know all the people really well, mm. uh, because they were going to be doing their 25th anniversary concert. Oh, wow. A 90s tribute concert. Oh, beautiful. And... They'd kind of come up with this idea for a meta concept concert where the concert is them coming up with the idea and then rehearsing for a 90s revival concert. And you're kind of watching it. Whoa! It's, yeah, it's, but it, like a lot of their ideas, it kind of rapidly spirals out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so then in the end, they had like four or five speaking parts, various people saying things in between songs. So basically you had the songs, mm. but you also had lots of like presentation or, or acting stuff in the middle between the songs. Mm. So uh, you had to juggle all these spot mics and then the general pickup mics for the choir. Right. And it appears that despite having absolutely no live sound experience, I had more experience than that other candidates. <laughs> okay, good. You, you were top of the bunch. And it put me in a really, really strange position when I turned up at the venue where we were going and it was quite a nice theatre in Munich. And the sound guy was almost your archetypal 
tooth-sucking workman kind of guy. Amazing. Amazing. Trying to get any kind of useful help or suggestions out of him, which is like trying to get blood out of a stone. So I found myself in this really difficult situation. Um, normally, if I'm like recording on location something and I meet someone like that, mm. then immediately I go, okay, well, what I need to do is I need to take charge of the situation here. Yep, absolutely. Show that I know what I'm doing and, and go through and we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do this, I'm going to do this, so I don't get the whole teeth-sucking thing. Yep. And as I found myself a complete live sound know-nothing, trying to bluff <laughs> that I knew what I was doing so that I could... Get some action out of this in-house sound guy. <laughs> oh, God. So that was a very, very uncomfortable situation. So you were asking him to uh, rehash the dongles. Yeah, I was totally... And please make sure that the gigahertz are correctly aligned. <laughs> I was totally doing my best trying to be blasé. <laughs> well, we'll just do the obvious thing to do next, won't we? Yeah, you know what to do. <laughs> just the usual. <laughs> were, were you ever tempted after one of the songs... Did you have to hold yourself back from going on mic and saying, thank you very much? Can we just go back from bar 44, please? That was a great one, lads. Let's do the second take, yeah. Oh, I said, I've got some spill from someone clapping. Let me just... <laughs> Will you shut up in the audience? I'm trying to get a recording here. We're trying to make music. How many times? <laughs> How was this megalith of a 90s covers concert in the end? It was super stressful, I have to say. Oh, yeah? I mean, I do big, like, recording gigs, but, God, I was so on edge the whole evening. Because oh, I was God. like, I have no idea. People kept asking me questions like, okay, so what are we going to do when we get to this? And I have to go, um, I've never done this before, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll maybe work out when we get there. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what we do when we get to this bit. It was totally like that. So I decided to keep it really simple, as simple as I could, given the complexity of what they were trying to do. Okay. And I put five mics covering the whole of the stage area because they weren't just singing, of course. They were like being choreographed and moving around the stage and whatever. So to try and get a choir sound out the PA, I had like five mics <laughs> scattered over the stage or kind of hung above the stage. Yeah. And then there were six spot mics. Oh my goodness. Mate. You had four headsets and two wireless handheld mics. Okay. And I deliberately said to the choir, okay, I'm giving you no fold back because I'm not capable of giving it to you <laughs> without cocking something up. <laughs> and I'm only giving the bare minimum of fold back from the spot mics <laughs> to the choir if necessary on some of the solo songs. Good. So I did my best to kind of hedge in possible stuff that was going to fox me. Right. But even so, in the end, they did need foldback. So I was constantly having to juggle between songs, <laughs> like fade up the choir mics and then fade down all the spot mics, oh except the one God. that they were using, and then switch on the foldback through. It was like this massive like juggling thing. My brain was kind of exploding. And also because the guys who'd done the lighting brought lights as if they were doing it for a rock gig. And some of the lights had fans in them. No! So no! my like omni condenser mics over the stage yeah. would go <laughs> when the choir weren't singing. You'd hear this kind of background air conditioning noise. Of course. I was having to use the like more directional mics to start with with the choir, and then the moment they started, I'd have to like fade in the other mics behind. <laughs> so I was constantly riding these omni mics to try and keep the fan noise out of the front of the house. Amazing. So I was oh, I was fretting and frothing and all sorts of <laughs> Words beginning with fra. Frugal. Yeah, that's and the one. Frappuccino. And, frappuccino. Uh, I was the human frappuccino. You sound like you... Except I wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was far from cool. And of course, the glory at the core of all this yeah. is that if you'd canvassed the audience afterwards, I guarantee you a healthy majority wouldn't have realised there were microphones. <laughs> You know, except at one point. Ah, because <laughs> I, I assume you mean because the sound was so very crisp, 
pure and clean at one point that they thought, wow. What exceptional sound, they said to themselves. What pure and beautiful sound, they all commented. <laughs> you see, I knew a lot of the arrangements because I'm a former member and they were doing quite a lot of their previous repertoire, but they had new arrangements as well. Mm. And one of these arrangements was of Britney Spears' song, Crazy. Love it. Love the song. Great arrangement. It went down really well. They kind of ended on a big chord. Mm. And immediately the audience rushed in with enthusiastic applause. Mm. Now, I was desperately trying to keep ahead of stuff. So the moment the applause kicked in, I'd pull down the choir mics and put up the spots. Right. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. <laughs> both me and the audience oh, dear. had misinterpreted a breakdown in the arrangement as the end of the song. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, the choir come back into another rousing final chorus. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and we can only hear one tenor and three altos. <laughs> For about a second and a half, at which point, <laughs> who knows what they were hearing because I was punching every button on the console I could see. <laughs> Faders were going up and down. All sorts of things were kicking off. Amazing. There must have been a good 30 seconds where I was frantically punching buttons and moving faders <laughs> around to try and get the rest of the choir sound back. By which point, they'd finished the final chorus. Of course. That gives me a deep sense of anxiety even just hearing about it. Oh, I, I haven't had such a kind of jolt of unwelcome adrenaline for a very long time. <laughs> I'm sure you could have run a marathon or lifted a car after that. Totally, totally. So you're practically pacing around in the back row. <laughs> exactly. What do you what do you do with that much emergency energy flowing through your body? Now, the silver lining of this though mm. is that I was recording all the microphones because I realised after I set up the live sound, well, actually, I could just take a tap all of these and record the mics, right? And then the choir could use that for their own purposes if they needed to. Yeah. And as it happened, I was taking all the mic feeds pre-fader. Okay, great. So the choir got back to me and said, oh, we want to do a little promo video because we might do this concert again in different places. Yeah. And I can just use the choir mics. Oh. <laughs> I can airbrush that goof out of the video entirely. You can rewrite history. <laughs> the past is whatever you say it is. Indeed. So thank God they were taken pre-fader. The other one, the spots weren't. So the spots, you can hear them kind of... I went back to have a look at the kind of post-mortem. Yeah. And you can see the spots dancing in and out. <laughs> I should mock up the reality video. <laughs> that shows what actually came out of the PA at that point. On the, on the plus side, though, another silver lining is that somehow I managed to earn the grudging of the tooth-sucking sound guy. Oh, that's sweeter and honey. That is a wonderful feeling. Because he couldn't believe that I'd managed to pull off the gig without getting feedback. Okay, good. Because I had a bunch of condensers on the stage and the back condensers were omnis. <laughs> what I didn't tell him is that I was constantly riding the master fader to keep it on the very edge of feedback. <laughs> grinding along the very edge. Is there any more gratifying respect than grudging? I think grudging respect is my favourite type. Yes. There is a wonderful truism and i can't remember whose it is just at present but um it is we hold a special place in our hearts for the people who refuse to be impressed by us <laughs> and that has certainly been true in my life but there there are people i'll remember all my life though some have changed but none of them quite as much as the people who seem constantly underwhelmed by me <laughs> they really stick in there like spinach in the teeth This month, we have been sent a message from Distracted of Market Harbour. Hi, Distracted. Who would like to pose a question. And this question goes as follows. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
What songs do you find most infuriatingly catchy? Oh, God. You know, the kinds of things you find yourself humming all day, whether you want to or not. And more importantly, do you know of any way to rid your mind of these earworms? That is an affliction to be sure, and my heart goes out. But, Mike, haven't we talked about Baby Shark enough on this podcast? <laughs> I feel like we've given them plenty of free publicity over the years. <laughs> and here we are. At it again. About to loop back around to Baby Shark. Although, of course, that doesn't quite fit the criteria for being infuriatingly catchy because it's just a great tune. Mm, you mm. never get tired of singing it. You just are singing it for days <laughs> and days and days and days and days, and days on end. Um, infuriatingly catchy songs. A lot of Justin Bieber. Really? Straight up. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have the Biebs down as particularly earworming. It's as much the lyrics as anything else. Oh, okay. There's this brilliant country trope where the last line of the chorus is some sort of pun, some sort of wordplay, which sometimes, like, swaps around the, the meaning of the whole song. Mm. Classics include... I love my dog. Right. And the chorus goes, the more men I meet, the more I love my dog. <laughs> then there's uh, Men and Mascara, a brilliant Carrie Underwood track. Okay. Which has uh, the chorus finisher, Men and Mascara Always Run, <laughs> which to this day hits me. Uh, there's one called We Do. Okay. The song begins, you're not supposed to say the word cancer in a song. Okay. You're not supposed to talk about Jesus. People don't like it when everything's about trucks. But this is country music and we do. Yeah. And it's wow, wow, what a rallying cry. Yeah. So Justin Bieber has a few of these. Yeah. My favourite of which is a song called Love Yourself. Have you come across this? Yes. And it has this distinctly blue double meaning. Yes. Whether or not it was Justin himself who penned those lyrics. It's brilliant because a song by a teeny bopper artist called Love Yourself only points to one thing. <laughs> but what we've got here is, is if you love the way you look that much, then you can go ahead and love yourself. Which, as you say, is... <laughs> it's got plausible deniability is what it has. It absolutely does. You can say, well, no, it just means that you can be narcissistic. <laughs> yes. As opposed to onanistic. <laughs> <laughs> Where clearly everyone with a brain is thinking the second meaning. I'll be totally honest. Took me a couple of listens through. But then I was like, oh. Uh, you have been poorly, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have. <laughs> so for me, it can, as often as not, be lyrical earworms, uh, which kind of burrow their way in. And so that chorus was looping for me for a good long while. How about you? Well, uh, let me say one thing to you. Please. La 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 Oh no, oh no. No 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 It's implanted. Oh it is. I'm there. And it's even more infuriating because one of the lines is can't get you out of my head. Yeah Damn you She knew exactly what she was doing. Oh god yeah. This was no mistake. And actually of that similar era, the one I've done an impression of before on this podcast, the music hounds Edda eat you that one does go, go around in your head, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay, so what I've had since I was, I don't know, I guess since it came out, and I've never been able to find exactly what it is, but it's, it's a house track. Okay. And it's instrumental. There's this kind of lead synth line, which it eventually builds up to and then loops around a bunch. But it's the one that goes, All right, right, yeah. And I don't know what it's called. And so it has been not only a thorn in my side, it's been an unidentifiable, unpulloutable thorn in my side for something like 12 years now. 
Do you think you might be able to Shazam it? No, I've tried. No, oh, no. But apparently... You're not a convincing enough synth emulation. <laughs> yes. Which kind of brings me to my best solution for getting it out of the head. You've just got to put it on. Okay. Switch that on and listen to it a few times around. Oh, wow. The Kind of the hair of the dog approach. There is, in fact, some research, which I'm too lazy to cite properly, but there is research that suggests that something is an earworm when it won't resolve. Mm. Like riffs that just loop into themselves really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no reason to ever stop. Ah. But if you listen to the piece, you know, one of the producer's jobs is to find a way to get out of that satisfyingly even if it's just a fade out yes so hearing that a couple of times teaches your brain how to finish the song oh that's a really cool idea yeah now it's interesting you mentioned the scientific research because i did a bit of digging on this okay and this has been scientifically studied tell me more it actually has various official names to it as well. Such as? Involuntary musical imagery. Ooh. Sticky tunes. <laughs> oh, God, that's not great. <laughs> that's not good, is it? Or stuck song syndrome, which I have to say, I did think was probably something that sounded a bit like um, dubstep. <laughs> I mean, Skrillex is pretty much stuck song syndrome, particularly when it's, when it's leading up to the chorus and the, and the slices are getting smaller. <laughs> In the in the true vinyl sense of a stuck song. And interestingly, another little uh, factlet that I dug up while I was looking into this is that apparently 90% of people experience this at least once a week. Oh my God, we're not alone. You will be glad to know, though, that these researchers have also done research into potential cures. Tell me more. Some of the suggestions. Apparently, you can engage your working memory in moderately difficult tasks. This was a group at Western Washington University in 2013. Okay, what does that look like? Things like anagrams, sudokus, reading a novel, <laughs> editing all your co-hosts' jokes out of a podcast. Right, yeah, no, 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 I, I, I'm sure that one uh, <laughs> gets fairly wearing. Uh, okay, but just like filling your mind up with another task is sometimes enough to pop out the earworm. And there was more research in 2014... Hmm. where they uh, used information from, uh, I think, about 5,000 UK online questionnaire respondents Okay. who suggested the following tunes that they had found cured this for them. Oh, wow. Wait, songs that cure the... It's, what is it? A kind of an antigen, a musical antigen. Interesting. Two of them you'll definitely know. I like it. Happy Birthday <laughs> and the UK <laughs> National Anthem. No. Now, you see, I wonder whether this linked into the whole engaging your working memory, because the, after they finished the first verse, they had to try and desperately remember what the words to the second verse were. It's true that the, the second <laughs> and third verses of Happy Birthday are rarely sung <laughs> and extremely racist. So it's probably, probably why. There are some more modern tunes that were listed as well. Oh, yes. Um, sadly, though, they weren't up your street cred very much. Oh, oh dear. Because they included... Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. That's putting another problem on top of a problem. Thanks for that, by the way. It'll be with me all week. Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Uh-huh. And even better, the theme tune to the A-Team. Now, wait, I'm trying to think of that, and all I can think of is the theme tune. If you have an earworm and nobody else can help. <laughs> oh, there we go. Bam, ba -dum, bam, 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 bam. Certainly is. Which actually... Brings me to my theory of why God Save the Queen works. Mm. I think it's because it has the most catchy line of music of almost any song. Right. And what's strange about the catchy line of music in God Save the Queen is that it's not even a vocal part. <laughs> it doesn't have any words. Yeah. It's not even necessarily in every arrangement. 
But anytime I've been with a bunch of Brits and it's sung, this part is added with gusto. Do you know the bit that I'm referring to? Is it the bit that goes, da, da, da? It is! <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Yes! That's the most popular, memorable, brilliant part of God Save the Queen. Um, We've got, it's got to have a name. The royal prefix. <laughs> yes, I, I think I don't, what I like to imagine is that any time that it is played in Her Majesty's presence, I mean, she doesn't sing it, obviously, that would be slightly arrogant. Mm. But that just very quietly under her breath, she does join in with that bit. <laughs> Tum-ti-tum-ti-tum. Or, or I wonder if she does sing it and just Queen is replaced with me. <laughs> God save our gracious me. Long live our gracious me. God save her me. Rumpy pumpy. There was one salvaging moment of street cred, though, in the list. Oh, thank God. What have we got? Uh, we have Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Really? Yeah. So just rock out to Cashmere. Okay. I could jump up and down on that. There was also, um, thinking of non-musical things, there was some further research that was done at the University of Reading in 2015. And they decided that there was a very scientific method that they could use to block the related sub-vocal rehearsal activity that accompanies these imaginary bits of audio. Ah. So they had 98 subjects. Um, they split them into various groups. Yes. And had uh, one group chewing gum. Oh, interesting. <laughs> they played them either Play Hard by David Guetta or Payphone by Maroon 5 <laughs> as the control samples. Which does lead me to an ancillary question of where is the experimental ethics here? I'm not sure that should be allowed. <laughs> be detrimental to their mental health. The experimental method was brilliant. Yeah. They played them these songs, and then they asked them not to think of the songs they'd just heard for three minutes. Oh, <laughs> cruel. It's like, whatever you do, don't think of pink elephants. <laughs> but whenever they did think of one of the songs, they had to hit a key each time they did. Oh, no. No, it just seems like such a bizarre way of testing that. I mean, does that include any time you confirm to yourself that you're not thinking of the song? This makes no sense to me. I think if I'm sat down with that key in front of me, that's all I'm thinking about is the <laughs> fact that I'm trying not to think about this song. Like, But this study, however flawed or not its methodology might be, did conclude that chewing gum was better at getting rid of an earworm than having no activity or tapping your fingers instead. I like that a lot, and I like it because it confirms things I already believe, which is my favourite type of scientific research. <laughs> uh, the only type I ever read. You can barely even even listen to music without getting sub-vocal about it. Mm. It's why opera singers are recommended to not listen to vocal music the day of a performance. Because they'll tire themselves out? Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Blimey, I didn't realise that. That's really cool. Because everything gets into position. Even if you're not imagining singing it yourself, we are very persuadable little monkeys. Wow. Um, Another little fact about chewing gum for you. Yes, please. In 2012, mm -hmm. a Cardiff University study also showed that uh, chewing gum apparently improves your short-term memory. Really? Apparently. Well, this is the kind of scientific research I don't approve of because I didn't already think that <laughs> was true. And it also seems to fly in the face of the idea of getting rid of an earworm. Maybe it, it improves your short-term money by clearing out all the earworms. <laughs> so you can fit more stuff in there. That's the point. It does seem to be slightly contradictory findings. Further chewing gum research is clearly required. Okay, I'm just wondering whether there is some bursary provided by the Wrigley's Chewing Gum <laughs> Foundation. Chew Yourself Fit Foundation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just 
just as you have presumably toasted in the new year, so we struggle more and more every month to find a way to introduce this <laughs> segment. It is Jam of the Month, which has to begin, obviously, with the toast foley. Now, due to an administrative mix-up, by administrative mix-up, I mean me not reading the email properly, both Mike <laughs> and I have created a toast foley. Mm. So we are going to have a toast foley duel here today. A toast off. Age before beauty, Mike, I invite you to go first. Give us your toast, Foley. <laughs> okay, here it comes. <clears throat> Ready. Now, can I tell you what I really like about that is the militaristic efficiency with which that toast is being buttered. <laughs> it is. The knife strokes are fast and Exactly. It's someone with a little toothbrush moustache making that toast, I think. I cannot imagine that there is a dry (laughs) iota of that bread at the end. No. Nor are there little fringes of butter kind of that have gone past the edge. This is a perfectly buttered piece of toast. How on earth did you do that? (laughs) It's a Haribo Tropifruity mini packet. Goodness me. And this is actually the last of the Tropifruity mini packets that were left over from Halloween. (laughs) And the kids don't really like these ones. So they end up sitting down here making me even less healthy than I am normally. All right. All right. So that is the first contender. Uh, And ladies and gentlemen, I give you my toast foley of this month. That was a like, that's no moon. <laughs> that was what that was. That is the enormo toast. I can't remember there being toast in that scene. It's like you think it's toast and then there's something kind of huge and <laughs> terrifying behind it. Possibly Lovecraftian. It's Toastzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, well. What on earth is that contraption? <laughs> you first held it up and I thought, is he going to create toast foley by twisting the end of a mop? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it. So this is a 150 centimetre homemade klaxon trombone. Okay. A, um, an instrument of my own devising I recently <laughs> refound and just have to share with the entire world. It's PVC pipe mm. and a bit of plastic bag that has been rubber banded to the top. Okay. And there is, it wouldn't fit behind the desk, but there is a second pipe that goes over the top and then you move that and that changes obviously <laughs> the resonating column length. Ah, I see, right. But we're playing it without the secondary slider just now for that purity of tone, mm. which I think our listeners tune in primarily for. Well, uh, that is certainly the largest slice of toast we've ever had in this segment. <laughs> So, to be clear, that wasn't actually toast. I know, it's difficult to believe, listeners. That was a homemade klaxon trombone. Our work here is done. (laughs) But we fooled you again! You should hire that out for trailer work. (laughs) Wait, okay, let's try one of those really quickly. You you, you do the text. Okay. We'll we'll get this. In the depths of space. One man. That first one was absolutely tremendous. That was a one-take wonder, that was. You even had the little pitch fall off. That was great. (laughs) Listen, if this podcasting thing ever stops making us millions and millions of pounds, I think we found an alternative Mm. source of income that we can go for with this trailer production. Anyway, so, oh, please tell me it's not an anticlimax after that tremendous (laughs) toast-off. What is your jam this month, John? It's music that I deeply love. Oh, good. It might be a bit of an energy drop, but let's see how we go. (laughs) God, I'm dreading this opening sentence. So we quite often feature modern music on this section Mm. we've sometimes featured you know very very old music 
I understand that this is the first time we have featured contemporary music. Capital C, contemporary music. Oh. And I, and I beg you to stay with me for long enough because it's got a bunch of old stuff in it. Okay, okay. Have you come across Caroline Shaw? There's no particular reason why you would have done. Nope. Great. Glad to hear it. I get to introduce you. It shows how uncontemporary I am. <laughs> yes. How Luddite-ish of you. Caroline Shaw is a, is a composer and singer and violinist, but for our sakes, a composer. She's the youngest ever winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Music. Oh, wow. She did in 2013. How old was she? 30 years old. Blimey. I know, it makes me sad as well. Um, <laughs> which she did with Partita for Eight Voices, which I cannot recommend enough that you go to listen to, but it's not what we're singing about here. Okay. It's an a cappella piece for, unsurprisingly, eight voices, mm. which goes through the full range of things voices can do, but is also listenable to. Whoa. How she pulled that off. I will never, ever know. But what I want to talk about here is her latest album called Orange, which was released this year. It's a bit like the Black Album, but newer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. This new album fits best within the tradition of remixing or recomposing old music with contemporary techniques. Oh, okay, right. The most famous project in that genre might be Max Richter's recomposition of The Four Seasons by Vivaldi. Okay. Where he has his own string orchestra, but also computer edits bits of it and adds in cool. delays. And yeah, it, it's really good fun. I was thinking of the uh, Pultinella Suite by Stravinsky. Yes, Absolutely. Or we could go to um, Switched on Bach. Oh, of course, yeah. But what Caroline Shaw has done is, to me, much more interesting. She's written her own pieces, and it's a nicely recorded string quartet. Rather than an homage, these pieces more have the feeling of someone who's written them and thought that they could get away with it. Mm. Okay, Just imagine a world where no one's ever heard Ravel's string quartet. Okay. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be that you're just release the quartet because you are a creative person with your own visions but god that beginning is gorgeous so maybe you just nick it <laughs> maybe, you, <laughs> maybe you just slot that in somewhere as part of a larger composition which is absolutely your own okay and maybe also in this world the compositions of Bach of Bartok of Monteverdi of Haydn are also sufficiently obscure that you think you can get away with you know slotting bits that are either them or are just very close to them in there wow and the result is brilliant it's 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 a modern string album, which pulls here and there, but because it's not a direct homage, there's no need to see a theme all the way through. Yeah. If you just like the first bit, just take the first bit. If you want to jump hundreds of years in either direction, bar to bar, yeah. then do that. It's really fun to listen to. And even if you don't think of yourself as a classical music fan, whether or not you can hear where the specific place that these bits come from, it'll just have that familiar feeling. Wow. The first time you listen to this album, it'll feel like an old familiar friend. It almost sounds like she's a contemporary classical music version of Fatboy Slim. <laughs> it's this kind of magpie approach. I, I like that. I, really, I have nothing to add to that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and Christopher Walken is in the music video. My God, they might be the same person. <laughs> the best review that I've read of her and her work came from the New Yorker and it captures what for me is it a review built out of chunks of loads of other people's reviews oh my god no but it should be <laughs> it absolutely should be and from different eras so the first sentence is like uh, behold the new <laughs> outpouring by Mr. William Shakespeare 
<laughs> to paraphrase this review um, from the New Yorker, said that in this music he had discovered an iode of. I mean, it has to be quite pretentious. This is still the New Yorker, an iode yeah. <laughs> of that most rare element in contemporary classical music, joy. That's a hell of a write-up to get from any serious critic. It really, really is, and. It's true, like, it's complicated and it's sophisticated, but it's not difficult. Yeah. It's not music that challenges you to put up with it. Yeah, and that's always the difficult road to navigate, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's making something that feels genuinely new and genuinely exciting and, and opens your mind to new ideas, and yet at the same time, you don't have to have... 15 degrees and have been listening to that type of music for ages to get into it. It's got that immediate reward of listening to it on the surface level and yet you can listen to it again and get more and more out of it. Yeah. My favourite artist like that. It's music that is driven by communication rather than masochism. Yeah. Or sadism, I suppose, <laughs> from the point of view of the composer. Have you ever, have you, gosh, letting my geek card fly here, have you ever listened to Wagner's entire ring cycle uninterrupted? Oh, Blimey. <laughs> to be honest, you're the first survivor I've met. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a hollow shell of a man. I was young. I was crazy. I had very few friends and that's what they were doing. So we did it. You had a helmet with horns on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And maybe this is a bad example because that was an experience. Mm. There have been other activities I've done for 17 hours, which I would call worth less than that. Yeah, I can see that. But it does speak to this sort of endurance culture, yeah. which can sometimes pervade you know, music of true worth. You have to prove you are worthy of it by struggling through. You have to suffer for it. Yes, absolutely. If it's not, if it's not difficult, everyone would do it. Mm. Sort of um, bull plop. Uh, <laughs> so when I find a modern composer like Avner Dorman, like Eric Whitaker, like, in this case, Caroline Shaw, who is, mm, mm. just seems to be ignoring that take on things. It makes me extremely excited. Doing genuinely interesting stuff and entertaining you while they're doing it as well. Absolutely that. Wow. I've, I so have to check this out. I cannot wait for you to have a listen to it, especially as a string player, as a violinist. She, she does also play violin. And just some of the things you were name-checking, just like the Ravel String Quartet, I love. So just the thought of, oh, I get to hear that nice bit of Ravel String Quartet again. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's a reason enough. That's reason enough to jump straight back into it and listen. I really think it is a masterpiece. I do also need to shout out just to keep my uh, punky street cred entirely intact, mm -hmm. I'm also going to shout out an exciting new album, which I haven't had the chance to listen all the way through to yet, but I know the songs and they're brilliant. This is the soundtrack to Three Sisters by Rashdash. Okay. A uh, physical dance theatre company based in London. They do brutal, punky art shows, vastly award-winning, kind of anarcho-feminist roars of work. Whoa. Just brilliant. And they have just released the soundtrack to their show, Three Sisters, uh, which was their own take on the Cinderella myth. Wow. With a couple of changes. You'd be amazed. <laughs> I'm sure these anarcho-feminists didn't find anything to comment on in a story like yeah, that. They just, they just sort of did it. They just sort of went <laughs> beginning to end. Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> Which means it's time to once again bid you adieu. Santa is back up the chimney. The reindeer are all Chris Kringled out. <laughs> and Christmas imagery is very hard. Um, leaving us only time to thank this month's sponsor. Now, uh, Mike, question for you. Mm. In a studio setting, have you ever used Bluetooth? 
Ah, uh, no. Me neither. This is an extremely popular uh, way of connecting things in consumer hi-fi situations, mm. but it's just not worth it in the studio because it's not reliable enough, there's some lag, there can be interference if you've got more than one thing broadcasting in Bluetooth. And so our sponsor this month has found a way around that, an ingenious method to make Bluetooth not only accessible, but the preferred option for your savvy studio producer. Oh, great news. Precisely. Throw your cables away and grab the Bluetooth route canal. <laughs> the route in question, it's a very thin, long piece of metal okay. wrapped and insulated in a flexible plastic. Mm. And you just plug it into one kit and the Bluetooth just flows down the metal strand, I guess you could call it. Conduit. Conduit, absolutely, route, mm. um, into where the Bluetooth needs to go. And the Bluetooth pours straight in to that receiving module. Mm. And just like that, you have wireless connectivity, but with zero delay, 100% reliability, and only one wire. What's not to like? That is Bluetooth Route Canal. Give them a Google, and <laughs> believe it or not, we've got a double sponsor this week. Oh, right. Well, the other one is just very short, so I'm going to pop it on the end here. This is a new DAW. Um, okay. Which has been specifically designed mm. to only produce very modern, aggressive, hi-hat heavy rap music. All oh, right. So give a quick Google to Trap Door whenever you get a chance. <laughs> An excellent product, well worth your time. Is the logo these like plasticine monster figures? <laughs> That's exactly what the logo is. I see you're familiar with their excellent work. <laughs> if you would like to sponsor the podcast, then do head over to our Patreon campaign, or you can sign up for our 100% nonsense uh, mailing list at www.projectstudioteabreak.com. I've just had a thought. Is there a Patreon incentive where they get to put in a sponsorship? <laughs> And then we have to do our best to sell this sponsorship. Now, to be clear, these products must be 100%, 100% unreal. What are you trying to say? <laughs> that we've been making them up all along? Oh, no, no. Ours are real. Ours are very real. Uh, yeah, of course. You have to make them up. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. For now, should we declare open season? Say, if you've got oh, definitely. a brilliant product that you want us to do, drop us an email. Where can they email us? Teabreak at projectstudioteabreak.com Or tweet us at twitter.com forward slash PSTB tweets Or even Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash PSTB books um, With those ideas or indeed any comments and questions It's always nice to hear from you Mike, you plugging anything this month? Uh, no, I'm... No, the website's all sorted, it's all good What about you? What's the developments on the new uh, project? Oh, the, the Wicker Husband. Mm. So, uh, yep, that's still going on ahead. If you look up the Watermill Theatre in Newbury, you'll be able to nab some tickets to that. I'm excited. It's, uh, it's definitely going to sell out. So the sooner you grab some of those, the better. Mm. Although, of course, the worse for the people who come later and you've just stolen tickets from, <laughs> you absolute monster. Mm -hmm. Anyone who is in Berlin, my folk trio, which is Hammer, Dulcimer, Violin and Accordion, is going to be performing at Das Kapital, a fantastic bar uh, in Neukölln, um, sometime in the second or third week of January. So do drop me a line if you're curious about that. We're still figuring out the exact day. And what's the name of the band? We, um, the Folk Trio. <laughs> we play at one bar. We don't have to have a name yet. It's just those guys. Well, in which case, all that remains to be said is... Ta-ra, pets! Pets! <laughs>